Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the Vexen and Larxene to my Marluxia. Aw oh, man, do I really have to be that guy? One of you has to be Vexen, and it's not going to be me. Which one? Fine. Choose. Uh, fine, I'm Jared. <laughs> and I'm Matt. <laughs> I don't, and as I, always, I, I our, our, our voice game's on point. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can manage a Larxene voice. She's a little bit too feminine for me to, for me to manage it. I will give it my best try, but I make no guarantees. <laughs> so, uh, so today we're going to be discussing Chain of Memories, uh, which in a nutshell is Sora and Riku go to White Castle. That's it. That's the tweet. Um, but so what can we say about Chain of Memories before we get started? I really did not enjoy playing this game is what I'm going to start with. Now, that's an emphasis on playing. Yes, it's a much better narrative than it is a game. Yeah, specifically, we are going to be talking about Rechain of Memories, which the original Chain of Memories was a Game Boy Advance game, while Rechain of Memories was a PlayStation 2 game. The original Chain of Memories combat was still action based, but it kind of was like characters walking much slower yeah. on a uh, 2.5D plane. And just mm. so therefore, everything was kind of like at a sluggish pace, which I think works with the card system. Unfortunately, the Rechain of Memories has the regular speed of a Kingdom Hearts game, but with a very cumbersome to navigate menu in the not command deck. Command deck is not until later in the uh, card deck that you have. Any game where you're running around at full speed, but you have to select a card to even swing your sword is is adding a lot of burden to the player. So, yeah, before we talk about the story, which is both fun and uh, quite wild, uh, let's talk about that gameplay a bit more specifically. Chain of Memories has a card battle system because those were all the rage in the early 2000s when this game came out. You get a stack of cards that go from is it zero to nine or zero to A? Uh, zero to nine. I just wonder if there was an A in there. I don't know what. There not, there's not an A in there, no. And the cards are basically everything. Like you get a whole bunch of kingdom keys, and you get other Keyblade ones. Like, it never changes what weapon you're holding. Sora always holds the standard kingdom key, but it changes how much damage and a few other deeper mechanics I don't really understand. Like, each key card has a damage value, a, like, a recovery speed. Like, there's... And I will say, like... All I know is I don't know if any of them actually make any substantial difference in play. And I think some of it feels a bit cosmetic because because there are no numbers on the screen to actually tell you the difference between these things. All of it feels the same. And also, eventually, by the end of the game, you're not going to be using most of your keys anyway, because the best cards are your spell cards. You get the basic seven spells. Yep. And also there's item cards, which kind of like mostly interact with your deck. You have the attack cards, which are just keyblade attacks. You have magic cards, which are spells and summons. Uh, you can even summon cloud, which is a very funny thing to do. And then there's item cards, which will refill your deck instantly based on certain rules. Some items refill cards that you've also burned. And that also brings us to slights. And this is the part of the game which should be the most interesting, and I feel like in the Game Boy Advance, with its controllable pace, it was. But slights, you have to scroll through your deck, select cards under certain categories, use a button you don't use for anything else, I forget which one, or move them up. Yeah, triangle to move them up into the slight section where once you put in enough cards that you have what you need, you activate, you do a special attack, special spell, special summon there. So that yeah. should be enjoyable. But if you're, you're running around avoiding, well, to give a let's I swear a completely random example, trails of ice chasing you across the ground, it's absolutely miserable. 
the best way to solve the slight problem is to build your deck around it so that you're just you match triangle three times to get your next slight and do that. What I found myself doing before I realized that the best thing to do is just uh, do this Viraga slight over and over again, which means you just fill your deck up with fire spells and occasionally blizzard spells if you want to have an AOE. If you have like, OK, I want to start with a strike raid, I will line up these three cards as a strike raid. If I want to start with a Sonic Blade, I'll start stack up these three cards as a Sonic Blade, that kind of thing. And you should always start with a Sonic Blade was my yeah. only experience as far yeah. as I got in the game. Yeah, Sonic Blade is probably the strongest of Sora's regular slights because it has the best iframes. Uh, actually, so it's not actually iframes in this game either. While your card is active, it, unless your opponent plays a card that beats your card, you will always have precedence in attacks. And if I remember correctly, slights have the sum of all the cards you have. That's correct. Slight. Um, so slights tend to win, except that zero cards, when you are always able to interrupt other cards. Yeah, zero can always be broken, but zero can always break, is what it comes down to. So honestly, the active strategy game, especially against bosses, is you're not going to use like the spam strats. As you want several zero cards, you can ruin every one of their special attacks. And you don't even have to hit them with it. You just have to use it while on the field and it knocks down their card. Yeah. And in fact, for several bosses, that becomes absolutely necessary because the boss in this game do not fuck around. They will mess you up if you are like if you haven't learned the game. And unfortunately, this game is pretty hard to learn. <laughs> I feel like this game appeals to a very certain type of person. And unfortunately, it is kind of niche and most and I don't think any of us are that kind of person. I should be that kind of person, but I am not for this particular game. I mean, I'm going to give you my shameful truth. I didn't finish this game. I got about three quarters through the first half of the story, Sora's Roots, what we're doing today. And then after I killed the boss after an over an hour play, played five minutes, faced the same boss again, and then faced the even harder boss after that, I just kind of snapped. And I can't blame you. I used secondary materials to read the rest of the plot because I felt I understood the game well enough. <laughs> There is one other experience in the entirety of Kingdom Hearts that I enjoy less than Chain of Memories, but that is over much faster than Chain of Memories. Uh, and we will get to that quite a bit down the road. For now, we're going to be talking about Chain of Memories. And well, unfortunately, you don't have to play Chain of Memories. You can just listen to us talk about it or you can watch the cutscenes yourself and probably have a better experience. As we mentioned, it's a better movie than a game. So it doesn't it's not quite the other games that has a movie. It, we have kind of theorized that the way you read Chain of Memories existed, they decided to put it in there because it kind of used didn't have its own specialized system stuff for the cards. So, well, while I'm not recommending looking for our options. It is pretty easy to find the cut, but still support the official release. Please do. That. Yep. Like if you buy the anthology, you're going to get chain of memories anyway. So do that. Yeah. But honestly, I think this is the first point at which we see the, the portable games being kind of like an experimental ground for them to try new things. And although this particular one didn't really work out that well, I'm really glad that they decided to go with this experimental route, because even though it kind of flops, it kind of shows that they're willing to take a few risks. I agree with that. The willingness to experiment with the handheld games makes the console games even better going forward. Speaking of experimentation, this is also, in my opinion, the first game where what we expect from the rest of Kingdom Hearts really takes shape. Yes. We saw a glimpse of it at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1, mm. but here it kind of blossoms into its own narrative. As I alluded to a lot of time in our first season with just plain old Kingdom Hearts, the times where Kingdom Hearts is trying to be less Disney and less Final Fantasy and be more Kingdom Hearts are my favorite parts of that game. Starting with Chain of Memories, we get a lot more Kingdom Hearts overall, which I am thrilled to talk about. 
And I guess I could say part of the reason for that, to segue on, is that the Disney worlds themselves are another part that I can't say I am impressed by the implementation. We're going to have a very different kind of chaos maze this time around. I don't know if it's better than the chaos mazes in Kingdom Hearts 1. To be honest, I don't know if I call it a chaos maze because the map always tells you where you're going. Yeah. The problem is the map is okay. half meaningless. It is better than the Chaos Mazes of Kingdom Hearts 1 because you have a map. The big problem is the room cards. So the way you traverse through each world. And so every single world is a recreation of a Disney world from the first Kingdom Hearts game. The only one you don't get to go to is Tarzan because they don't have the rights for that anymore. Yes, Tarzan, who's he? We're never going to talk about him again and don't you dare. Fortunately, it was also a very inconsequential world, so... I guess it's just been memory hold, just like everything else that's going to be happening in Castle Oblivion. Hey, oh, <laughs> the problem is so, the worlds are all skins like you get about four style of rooms in terms of physical. You get tall room, you get room with pit in the center, you get you get like a straight room with lots of carts to smash. And the, 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 the main idea is as you beat enemies, you get room cards. So the way room cards work is you get certain cards that will affect the structure of the room that you're going to go into. And every time you open up a door, you, you have to place a room card on it to meet certain criteria. So it sort of restricts your play. Like it'll tell you, you need a room card with this number in order to get in here. Or you need a room card that is up to or above this number. You might need a red card, a blue card, and a green card. And each card has a different effect for what the room will be like. Red cards will affect the battle level of the room. Blue cards will affect like some outcomes in the room. Green cards affect uh, some bonuses. Like every. All the room cards, like you get a lot of them and mostly you're just going to be trying to use the ones that make your battles easy enough to get through so you can still gain levels so that you can build a better deck, but not enough that it just gets frustrating because you don't actually want to play this game. <laughs> and then like there's some rooms will say things like you have to put in enough cards that all the numbers from zero to nine eventually equal ninety nine. So mm -hmm. now you're grinding dozens of cards. Yeah. And that's just even if that's like a bonus room, that's specific one I'm mentioning. That's just frustrating. And again, it doesn't really change the way the rooms work. It changes what the enemies are like. It changes if there's items in the room and a few other things like that. The actual cards that you use do impact the room that you go into. Like some cards will say this room will be large. Uh, some cards will say this room will have a lot of heartless in it. And to get a lot of room cards, you basically just have to keep on doing a lot of fights. So the game sort of forces you to fight to continue. I kind of remember what I think it, my biggest problem with the mechanics of this game was. And I think it's just the fact that none of the cards ever really has that much synergy at all. Yeah. There's not really any cleverness in building your deck other than picking which slight you want to use. And right. Filling yeah. your deck with cards for that. Yeah, there's very little like actual strategy, which is sort of like what the fun of a deck building game should be is like you pick a strategy and you go for it. Instead, the deck building in this game is literally build a stack of slights and just mash through those to try and get through battles as quickly as you can. And once you've figured that out, every single room in Castle Oblivion starts to feel the same, which is regrettable. And their problem is grinding doesn't give you a lot. So you don't really get cards for grinding except for room cards. Leveling up only affects three basic stats, so there's a bit less reward there, like HP, number of cards, and I forget the third one. Um, the third one actually unlocks new slights, and you, that one only happens at certain levels, so you can either only increase the size of your deck, your HP, 
or you occasionally will get a new move. You can throw XP down the XP hole until eventually it spits up something. That's kind of what that one feels <laughs> like is the problem. Yeah. What I found myself doing is I put way more points in the deck and occasionally I was like, OK, I'm starting to take a bit more damage here. Next time I'll put, give myself an HP buff and I'll be fine. My first time I played it, I played it on proud mode and I swore never again. So I did it on normal mode this playthrough and I was fine. <laughs> And the other frustrating thing about the Disney worlds is that they don't matter plot wise. They do not. Um, each Disney world is very much a weak retelling of that same story from Kingdom Hearts one, though sometimes it does a fine replace of heart to memory. And to spoil things a little bit early, the main focus on Chain of Memories is, of course, memory and how it's being messed with. Mm-hmm. So basically, after about the first, like basically the first world, they're in, the characters have completely forgotten everything about the world. So they go into each plot basically wide eyed open, going through the same motions, just like the like, say, when we wonder when the Queen of Hearts had her memory attack, not her heart. Mm-hmm. So rather not wanting to see the evidence, she can't remember the evidence. All of its unvoiced and little pop-up text bubbles, which probably looks better again on the Game Boy Advance, I imagine. And so basically you just go through it and then the characters don't talk about it. The, all the plot that matters happens between the worlds with only a few small exceptions. And to that end, let's start talking about the actual plot of Chain of Memories, uh, Sora side. So so the even though the Disney worlds themselves are weak, there are there are passages between them. And that is where everything interesting starts to happen in this yep. game. And it's where all the Kingdom Hearts stuff kind of gets set up. Yep. So to begin, we get a recap of Simple and Clean, basically playing a, a montage of scenes throughout the first game in more or less rough order. It's pretty clear at this point that Simple and Clean is supposed to be the theme song for the first phase of Kingdom Hearts. And so, so it ends with Sora, Donald and Goofy, Donald and Goofy again in their in their canon Disney clothes, chasing after Pluto. Mm-hmm. We then see them that evening, apparently having completely lost Pluto, and they're back in their Kingdom Hearts out. Oh boy, we've got a new game. We're back on, guys. <laughs> so they haven't caught Pluto. We don't know what's in that letter, but they're just sleeping on the grass. And then they run into Tetsuya Nomura's new favorite coat design, which we briefly saw at the end of last game. Sora gets up, gets, starts wandering off, finds a crossroad, and then someone starts talking to him. Along the road ahead lies something you need. However, in order to claim it, you must lose something that is dear to you. So Sora turns around and we see just one of the favorite outfits. Now, this is our big chance to describe it. So how would you go into this? Um, so like as we said, we saw it a bit in the last at the end of the last game. It is a black raincoat completely covering the body uh, from head to toe hood up. It cinches in at the waist like it's form fitting. And then it's it, really form fitting and tight, although uh, it opens up at the bottom and you see black boots. I think it's kind of like a cross between like a leather trench coat and a hoodie almost. Yeah, yeah, it's that's probably the best way to describe it. And it's got this really pronounced zipper, some tassels that have silver chains at the end. Like it's extremely well designed for what is mostly just a plain black coat. And it has a it, chain running between the two uh, the yeah. two breasts. Yeah, yeah. I do love the look of the little tassels. Like you can just grab it and pull it, and just and just pull their their hood into a tight thing. Yeah. So it's <laughs> got a tall, it's got a tall collar that like you said the little tassels the little tassel attached to. Mm-hmm. It's got a silver zipper that appears to zip. I don't know how. Like, apparently, it's all the way up top. Yeah. Because at the very top, it's zipped, and for all of them, once you see the zipper halfway down, the bottom half is split open. You know, the opposite direction most coats go. This cloak, it started in King Hearts 1 as we don't have an idea for a character yet, but now it's become the premier bit of fashion for anyone who's being a little bit sinister. Yep. <laughs> or a lot. Yep. I 
I think it's a good idea in general to just like have this one symbol that you're going to keep coming back to in the course of your story just to be like, here's a character you don't know yet. But just have it be clearly that. And we're going to go as we go. We're going to learn a lot of rules about these cloaks and we'll address that as we reach them. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, you know, he, he gave us a nice sinister speech, which sounds like I am a villain and I am telling you a villain's thing. And Sora and I'm just like, yeah, let's just go where he was. Yeah, that sounds like a thing to do. Maybe we'll find something, I guess. And the guy vanishes and they just find this castle. They follow the path. They eventually reach this weird looking space that looks like it's out of space and time. A spooky path leading up to a castle that looks like it is smashed together by a bunch of different buildings. It's brown on the outside. Uh, Doesn't with, it, it also green. have like, you know, like parapets and towers going every which way? Yeah, yeah. Like it upwards. It is. It looks like a piece of chaos architecture is the best way to. Put or it. or castles are growing out of another castle. Like yeah. The castle seats all over in the walls. Yeah, yeah. It is a really weird design. And it's a place that we're going to keep coming back to over the course of the series, because it turns out this place is really important. Right now, we don't know that. Donald Goofy says, should we walk into this place? So, well, maybe King Mickey's in there. You know, I'm sure he loves weird, weird Eldritch castles. Mm-hmm. But they look at it and say, you know what? You're right. We're looking at this and we know everything we're seeking is inside. Mildly suspicious. Riku had his turn at making bad life decisions. So now Sora gets to do that. Well, I will know ahead of time. I did note in the first game, Sora had a I'm going to give everyone who is weird and evil looking a chance to talk to me. And so that's his bad decision. Well, it's noble. There's a there is a certain limit and he really pushes against it this time. Unfortunately, we're dealing with Disney morality here, so it's very hard to find. It, like, there is some absolutes in this world, unfortunately. Also, it's a back of Notre Dame. Nah. I was laughing a little bit here because Goofy agrees that it's a really good idea to go into the castle. And as much as I like Goofy in Kingdom Hearts. Like, I was kind of thinking the same thing you guys were. That's not weird. Well, I guess great minds think alike. Gosh. And then then the the one of the bigger plot twists happens. Jiminy Cricket pops out and has a line. What the fuck are you doing, Jiminy? Get back in your journal. <laughs> I mean, apparently the journal is in Sora's shirt. Yeah. The weirdest thing about the story is that Jiminy Cricket does shit. And <laughs> like, I, I actually like that is actually the one thing that uh, is in common between the Kingdom Hearts stories that I don't like as much is that Jiminy Cricket does shit. <laughs> He never appears in the main game, so his journal is an ongoing mechanic. Maybe one or two lines. Well, he, he yeah. all, but he, apparently, though, I, this part of this is secondhand from you guys. You're saying that he always seems to find something bigger to do in the in the non-numbered games. Uh, specifically, he finds something to do in another non-numbered game. But here, so yeah, Jiminy is way more involved with the plot in this game because he's the one that is constantly reminding Sora, oh, shit, you're losing your memories as you go through this. Hey, wait, sorry. Spoilers. Yeah. But so anyway, so they go inside, all of them saying, I sure we should go inside, but they all seem a little weird out by it. Goofy's like, it's polite to shut the door. He turns around, the hood guy's there again. Yep. And what is, the very first thing the hood guy does is he walks up and has a little peek into Sora's memories. Just like that. Now, here's the thing. He doesn't do a thing except shut the door and walk towards them. And Donald tries to electrocute him. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the castle is shutting down Donald's magic ability, I guess. Everything in the castle has to be done with cards. Everything. I should think it's obvious. The moment you set foot in this castle, you forgot every spell and ability you ever knew. In this place, to find is to lose, and to lose is to find. That is the way in Castle Oblivion. Castle Oblivion? Here you will meet people that you have known in the past, and 
you will meet people you miss. I miss? Riku! You mean Riku's here? If what you want is to find him. And then just like he holds out his hand and a blast of flower petals just hits Sora. And again, Sora jumps. The guy turns translucent and flies through Sora. And then he appears at the doorway again after Sora fails him again and throws a card to him. What'd you do? I merely sampled your memories. And from them, I made this. To reunite with those you hold dear. What's this? A card? It is a promise for the reunion you seek. Hold the card to open the door, and beyond it, a new world. Proceed, Sora, to lose and claim anew, or to claim anew only to lose. And then he vanishes, and I have to say, a guy in a black cloak talking about reunion in a Square Enix game around circa 2000? Well, I've got some specific thoughts. Yeah, yeah, this, like, it feels like Nomura might be going back to his happy fun times with Final Fantasy VII here. Though the game that fucks around with... Me- well, I guess Final Fantasy VII fucked around with memories too, but Final Fantasy VIII is the one that really fucked around with memories. I, I kind of feel like you can see a little bit of that influence though, because Mar- yeah. this character we find out is a very, very pretty boy. Everyone in this currently unnamed organization is fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have to say, there's, the, the organization themselves is surprisingly unhorny for how hot they are, at least at a relative scale. Some are, some aren't. It's still Disney. Yeah, I was just going to say that this particular character is very pink and has a flower petal theme, though. Yeah, we'll get to him in a bit. So Sora just shrugs after all that. This guy just rambles at him. They've lost all their abilities. Thank you, resetting level for the next game. That's and not quite. Yes, this yeah. card that's apparently out of my brain. Yeah, um, well, technically, it's only like a half level reset right now because Sora doesn't have any experience in Castle Oblivion. So all of the levels we're going to be getting in this game are going to be experience levels for Castle Oblivion specifically and nothing else. I think these characters have Bond villain syndrome going pretty hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they explain far too much of their plot. They love the sound of their own voice. Every last one of them. I'm half convinced since the ones in the next game at least are able to hide a couple things. That being sent to Castle Oblivion means you kind of went above the scale on the Riddler tell everything scale. <laughs> that might be the case. I, 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 I wish I could remember who the credit this joke to. They always call Riddler a normal crook who tells everyone what he's doing ahead of time. So that's kind of where that comes from. I, I, I can't remember who the credit to. Sorry, whoever you are. I would say that maybe Castle Oblivion makes you really chatty about whatever you're plotting. Well, now we're talking the chicken and the egg. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you chatty because you were sent to Castle Oblivion? Or were you sent to Castle Oblivion because you're chatty? Well, when will we find out? Probably 358 over two days. So then they walk into the room and they're in Traverse Town and down the Goofy had instantly vanished. Yep. They do not exist here. Yeah. The Traverse Town, just like kind of in the original, is sort of the tutorial zone for this one. And it's the only one where it actually kind of feels like the story outside of the uh, levels is impacting the story inside. We get a little tutorial on how to use cards in here. Part of that is that Donald and Goofy are now cards as well. <laughs> All your friends are cards. Turn your friends into cards. That's a good idea. Well, we it, it's kind of funny because I think these parts of Castle Oblivion kind of enforce a strange kind of enforced solipsism, I would say. Elaborate on that, please. I kind of have the feeling that as any particular person goes through these parts of Castle Oblivion without protection of some sort, that they kind of get lost in their own memories in this way. Okay. 
That's it's a little true. it's a little tricky to say because Sora has other factors working on, and Donald and Goofy get so focused on Sora there. But I do see that as a possibility. I have the feeling that the the cloaked guys are in some way protected from that effect. But again, the, one of the rules of the cloaked is they apparently have special features. So after battle, Donald and Goofy return. Oh, I think I made a mistake. Oh no! <laughs> what did you make a mistake on? Well, it looks like they actually were staying in their Disney clothes throughout the first scene here because they commented that their clothes changed there. Well, they also mentioned they were in some sort of blank space and didn't remember anything. Oof. But they're back in their Kingdom Hearts outfit. Apparently that happens now. I don't know how I forgot that. Oh, hmm. so whenever it happens, it happens. Uh, their clothes have suddenly changed back. I guess they went clothes shopping and then they, they their memories of their old clothes appear. So now they're mad that whatever they got's gone. Yeah, I mean, there's as we've established, Donald's zipper hat is way better anyway. I just feel like this never came up again. It does not. It is very weird. Going through Traverse Town, you run into Leon. Like this is the one time that Sora actually bothers to question the Disney plots in the entire course of the game. <laughs> every single time, every time, it is exactly like this is the very first time he ever walked into these places. And the funny thing is, he gets results here because he talks to Leon for a bit and then Leon just naturally calls him Sora in conversation and then starts freaking out because there's, there's memories in his head he doesn't recall. And then Yuffie shows up and she's like, yeah, I know your names. Don't know why, but I know them. This game is kind of like leaning into the how does memory work idea in odd ways. But it, I think it's actually a better version of what Final Fantasy VIII was trying to do with memories because it actually sets the shit up. <laughs> well, if we were talking about eight, I always feel like eight was suffering from rush editing. And oh, yeah. Also, like Final Fantasy to the script. Final Fantasy VIII has a big first draft problem. Um, chain of memories, I, at least. I convinced it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth and so on draft. But yeah, <laughs> as in they ch- changed in the drafts as they went through it. Yeah, because it's kind of like to go old story there. Well, the example I always remember is that Moby Dick has extraneous plot elements in it. Like they talk about a character getting kicked the first time by another character who never appears again. Okay. So it really feels like it's known Herman Melville was writing that story for years. So you guys kind of get chunks that are left in the story there. And Moby I Dick feel was like serial, wasn't it? did that bit. No, he, he really just released all at once. He wrote it and okay. wrote it till it was done. It wasn't so it wasn't serialized like a lot of other works of fiction back then. No, he was he wasn't really an author. He worked other jobs, so he just kind of just worked on it for years and just just published it all at once. Like it was all done before it was published. That much okay. I still don't. So, I still okay. I am half fascinated by the idea of Herman Melville going on a wiki crawl, but he didn't have Wikipedia back then, so I don't know how he got all of his bad facts about whales. Huh. I think he worked. I think he worked like for shipping companies and boat companies. So he just kind of heard what everyone started talking about. And he just kept writing down all the bad thoughts about whales. And now we're told that it's a classic of, of American literature. It's Fun. it's one tenth classic, nine tenth extraneous bullshit. If you ask me. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> so we're way off topic here. But the point is, we're this. This is mem- FF8 kind of has some more problems with the tritus and its plot. Chain of Memories doesn't for its writing. It just has its own little buck wild style. Yeah. And so they're messing with everyone's memories. And so are questioned in Traverse Town. And then after that, his brain's too mushy to, to bother. Yeah. Like the process of Sora's brain turning into mush over the course of this game is kind of unclear. But it's pretty clear that the first blow knocks most of it out of him and to begin with. And then the rest is just a slow process of replacing yeah. one memory with another. Yeah. 
So the FF characters kind of remember Sora, but don't. And they kind of lead you through the maze town and show you how to use all those mechanics out there. And then after you fight, I want to say the guard, the guard. Yeah, it's armor. a guard armor. It's a guard armor. They all they all remember you again. And then they, so they all wish you goodbye. And then one of the most horrifying existential moments I've ever seen happens. What was that? I'm not going to try to do his Arif's voice. So the Arif comes back, everyone else leaves, and she asks you a question. Your memories created this town, right? And Sora says, that's what that guy gave me cards said. Air says, if that's true, this town's just a figment of your mind, and so are we. I'm not really me. I don't remember the things I should. I, said, I just sense things I shouldn't. So I said, that she goes on about that, and she points out. So I'm just another illusion. The truth out of my reach. Don't let illusions distract you from what's important. And then Donald and Goofy distract Sora. He turns back around, and Aerith is gone. It's a dream begging you not to wake up. We kind of have this weird situation, and this repeats in a couple other uh, works of fiction lately that I've really enjoyed, where you have a basically a simulacrum of somebody that was created from memory kind of becoming self-aware, like being clever. You remember them being clever enough to figure out that they're that they're in that they're just a memory. Mm-hmm. We're not reviewing Final Fantasy fourteen, Matt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we, and then you have them basically become self aware of the fact that they're just a dreamer, or a figment, or a simulacrum. And this one, they talk about one. it. Sorry, like, I didn't mean oh, to interrupt you, Matt. But this yeah. one's so weirdly creepy because Air speaks to you by herself. Down the goofy never saw her. They say she left with the others, and she's really pensive. It's like something is is screaming at Sora from inside his mind. Maybe that sticks out. It's not. I don't think it's voice I recall, but it's, it's just not so voiced. weird. It's just weird. Yeah, yeah. So we leave, and now we're now we're between the worlds. The plot can happen again. Mister Hood with 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 flowers returns. And then a friend comes. There's one rule that we realize here with cloaks. It's that if the hood comes down, the hood stays down. That's the first rule of Cloak Club, is that once a cloak is down and the character's identity is revealed to the world, that cloak will be down for the rest of the story, no matter where we are in it. I just also want to say, like, this rule about the cloaks ties into my idea of narrative narrative time flow a lot as well. Because the flashbacks get funny, right? (laughs) Yeah, flashbacks get funny. Uh, Like... Events that happen before we met these characters, but after you've met them in the actual story, their cloak is going to be down. Because you've met that character and you're allowed to see who they are. (laughs) The cloaks are, in some ways, I think, because of that, I think they're partially metaphysical. But that's just a weird theory. Well, we got to So basically what happens is a, a red spiky guy shows up. He's tall and lanky and has some eye markings. Otherwise, he looked very protagonist, but he's not quite. And so he pops like they were ready to fight the first guy who's saying, like, well, will you give me to let you go further. And they got nervous. This guy just he pops up behind him. My show now, Keyblade Master. Who am I? Oh, my name's Axel. Got it memorized. Uh, sure. Good. You're a quick learner. So, Sora, now that we're getting to know each other better, don't you go off and die on me now. And they fight, 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 and they fight, 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 and then the fight's over. So Axel is our first actual member of this organization that we get to see lower his hood, as we've pointed out. And, and the first one we see in battle, if we don't, if we don't count the, the uh, unknown fight in the first game. 
the members of this organization, they do have sort of a pattern when it comes to their abilities. They use an element and they use a special weapon. And they have a class that is related to something from Final Fantasy or something Final Fantasy-ish. Axel uses a pair of blade and chakrams he both swipes with and throws, and his element is fire. And his class that he's associated with is assassin. And we do see for varying degrees that that actually is an effective description of him. Not to get into too many spoilers, but Axel is my favorite member of the organization and also probably my favorite Kingdom Hearts character. <laughs> his fight with him is relatively his fight with him is relatively simple. He's kind of the first fight trying to push slights in your face. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, guard armor probably didn't use it one, but he has several and they have various levels of danger, like in how you could dodge them. So you kind of got to get ready for it. He tends to blast the uh, arena with fire if you give him too much free reign. So you got to yeah. know when to take it down. Yep. So but after you beat him, he's amused. Yep. <laughs> he appears to be gone. There's a card on the ground and it's ready to go. He's behind them. So what he does is he sends them off into Castle Oblivion with a bunch of cards and says, go forth, young man. You you are doing the right thing by going into this castle. Keep doing the good thing. Clearly like, not hiding the fact he's laughing at them. He's being yeah. very, yeah. very snickery. And it's like, no, really, it's great. Have fun. It's it's there's candy in there. He's super sus and Sora buys it completely. <laughs> he does say something that's very interesting. And I think foreshadows a lot of the rest of the plot, though. He says, you've lost sight of the light within the darkness. It seems that you've forgotten that you forgot. So he hands you a stack of cards. It's just like five random worlds that you can take in any order. Yep. It's really not worth mentioning. Sora's already progressed to the point where he doesn't recognize the people except for maybe saying, oh, hi, in their name. And he just walks through their plot there. Yep. So. The first, so the first set of the worlds is the Olympus Coliseum, Halloween Town, Wonderland, Monstro, and Agrabah. Yeah. It doesn't matter which order you take it in. The main thing is to give you a warning is just you about to go into the first of the worlds. Goofy's trying to remember something. The place, the, the creepy castle with all the weird contraption. Of course, it was Holla, Holly, Holler. Sorry, I can't remember. Yep. So that's a warning. They're definitely, in case you miss that, they're starting to forget things. That's the big warning. Uh-huh. So we're probably just going to go ahead and skip through the worlds unless I said there's no real mentions there. Yeah, let's skip to the next lobby. So ironically, although the plot happens here, this is probably one of the the, uh, simplest parts of it. Jimmy checks his journal because Goofy's still musing about the place he can't remember the name of. Mm -hmm. And the journal has become blank. Oh, no. It, It is so weird to me that, like, Jiminy's journal, which was a game mechanic in the first game, is suddenly a plot point. And I am kind of bothered by it. (laughs) I will say, like, as they say, journals blank, we get a flash of a young, clearly around Sora's age, blonde haired girl in a simple white dress drawing in a a room that's even more white looking than most of Castle Oblivion's white walls. She doesn't say anything. We just see her drawing. We go back to the others and like the journals can't vanish pages. And then Sora finally realizes that what everyone's been shouting in his face is that memories will be lost means they could lose their memories. They worry about it a bit, but then they all just completely dismiss it. In fact, Goofy is the one that rallies them. He goes like, come on, Sora, when you turn into Heartless, did you forget about me and Donald? Goofy is the one person that actually is kind of like, once we're actually in the castle, even though he was kind of all gung-ho about going into it, Goofy's the one that's kind of like, this might have been a bad idea, but I guess we got to keep doing it. And he said he and he's encouraging the others. He's the first to notice that something he was trying to recall was missing. And now he's the one saying, you don't worry about that. Well, we already learned that that hearts are the, that are the real friendship power or something. And then Sora mocks Donald for smacking him on the head when he was a heartless. So he apparently remembers what happens. So after the next world, we just have a short conversation 
Goofy and Donald are talking about how they're worried the king will be okay, won't be okay because he's on the other side of the door of darkness. And then while they're talking, the scene switches. Yep. And so we get to meet another member of the organization who is not following the rules. With Axel, this person is watching them apparently on a big crystal ball in some undisclosed also white room. And her hood is down. We got a woman at, uh, here. Little, not nearly as tall as Axel, still pretty tall and, and very, uh, very thin. Mm-hmm. She has blonde hair with two, I would call them hair and ten eyes shooting out. She like the rest of it's pulled back. Yeah. She's got like these two prongs sticking out. Yeah, she's got the double stupid hair, as the Japanese call the calyx. And they're swept back like they're bull horns almost. Her physical design is wild. <laughs> She's got bright green eyes and what I would call resting smirk face. Yeah, she is probably the most sardonic and realizes what they are member of the group, as we'll yeah. learn a bit more when she actually introduces herself. As I don't know if Amos is quite brave enough to try her voice, but basically she's even more amused than Axel, ta- taunting him for being interested in Sora. And she basically is just kind of just basically just kind of poking at him and just seems above it all and just constantly amused. Mm-hmm. And then when we flip back to Sora, he remembers Kairi thanks to the Oath Keeper charm, which, as we recall from the last game, was the charm that Kairi gave him that also became the Oath Keeper Keyblade. To, to just kind of give a, a, a reassessment of it, it's a, basically a five point star. It's made out of seashells. And I feel like it's tied like I don't know if it's like with like uh, it's, got, it's tied together with twine. like some kind of twine or sturdy wire. It looks like yeah. something they would have been using on the island, like when they were making their raft yeah. or if they like help work on the on the funly little buildings. It really gives that look of it. It's not a store-bought chain or ribbon. Right. No, it's it's a handmade chain. It's pretty cute. And it's going to become a very important plot point over the course of this game, because as Sora looks at it, he remembers another girl. Who is the girl we saw drawing in the room, I believe. Yep. Like I think we've already seen her full. And he's confused, like, wait, do I know that girl, too? Yep. Uh, So Sora now thinks that he might have forgotten someone. The next world's very quick. He realizes in that fact that it reinforces what Sora. The plot sounds a little weird when you string together the plot elements. There's always like 20 to 40 minutes of, if not more, of Disney World cool off time in between. Yeah, actually playing it is kind of like get through the Disney World to get to the next plot element. Just want to get to the next episode. <laughs> yep. It is a Skinner box in a nutshell. You want to get your food pellet, press the switch. He realizes there was a fourth person, a second girl that we were friends with. She just kind of went away when I was little. I'm only just starting to remember. I don't remember her name. Which is just funny because he knows he's losing his memory, but now he's remembering something. And he doesn't find the sus. Now, I don't know if that's just regular happy sore or, so- or part of what's happening. They, they do kind of, you know, probably... A poor decision, but they do kind of trust the organization members about, you know, to gain is to lose and to lose is to gain here. Like they think that they're gaining. Maybe he gains to be lost, but to, right. it, it does happen slowly. And maybe that part of helps. It, it feels like sort of a fading thing there. I guess that's kind of, it's kind of a really scary thought. Oh, yeah. If you started it, remembering something. You would think of it as real, wouldn't you? Well, also, there's just the sheer fact that when you stop remembering something or when you forget something, Part of the fact that you forgot something is more or less that you forget that you forgot, just like yep. mm-hmm. they mentioned earlier. So if you really, really can't recall something, you you don't know that you forgot it. Yeah. And when and when you forget that you forgot, you win the game. I won the game years ago. Yeah, I know. Someone freed us. Who was it again? XKCD, Randall Monroe. I, every time the game comes up in casual conversation now and people are like, you just lost the game. I always just go find that picture and show it to them. I'm like, you're free. <laughs> 
Loss and falsification memories to me is a really horrifying subject. Cause that's changing who a person is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you're for being sure. killed and replaced with a slightly different version of yourself. Yep. Almost. And that's part of the, the theme here, actually. What, yeah. what role do our memories have in making us who we are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where kingdom hearts starts dealing with a lot more complicated themes. In this case, it starts dealing with memories and identity. And those will be pretty common themes going forward as it turns out. And I think it actually justifies its use of them way better than its random light, dark heart duality from the first game. So I know there's super cuts every time darkness and light are set in these different games. As funny as those are, they do miss the point a little. Yeah. Yeah. Like So <laughs> whatever's happening to Sora is definitely progressing like with time, because after they go through the next world, Donald asks Sora more about the other friend. He's starting to remember more about her. He as he says, he speaks this the plays inside her head. She was quiet. She was a drawer. She was quiet and always drawing. Yeah. Like Riku and her would fight over who would who would draw like which of them she would draw next. Right. Those, right. That means that's inserting that little rivalry of theirs suddenly. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, like uh, this character now has a connection to not just Sora, but also to Riku conveniently leaving out Kairi. <laughs> yeah. He gives a whole paragraph here. He doesn't mention Kairi. Yeah. And then Jiminy comes out and helps everything go to shit by saying, well, maybe forgetting is the only way we reach what's buried further down. So thanks, you damn bug. Yeah, Jiminy has definitely learned the wrong idea now that he has gotten the permission to actually participate in the story some more. (laughs) What a bad conscience. Extremely bad conscience. He is not helpful in the slightest. So they decide they want to continue because they want to see what's buried further down. Mm-hmm. Going right back to the two of the two villains watching them, and scene literally lights them. You had your fun on the first floor, so this time it's my turn. Axel tosses her a card. She catches it and smirks again, and just pokes Axel in the face. I'm not going to just give it to him. Don't break him. Well, do I detect a soft spot? I'm not going to break the toy. I'm not dumb. Don't forget, Sora is the key. We need him if we're going to take over the organization. I know that you're in on it, too. But just keep it under your hood, at least until the time is right. Then Evans Larxene vanishes and Axel smirks. You would have been wise to have done the same, Larxene. See, Axel thinks that she should have followed the first rule of Cloak Club. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then like the other three... They comment how like there's a quick moment where Sora notes the one thing he can't remember is his friend's name, and then they just continue on. Yep. So then we have, I believe at this point, this is the last world of the first stack of cards that we were given. So you need the player should sense we're about to hit a threshold. Yep, this is the first major like change of things. We've got our little pieces of plot. Now it's time for a big plot dump. And of course, it involves Larxene coming to dump on Sora. Yeah. So Larkstein appears in front of them. Donald only knows one name of the bad guy, so she, he accuses her of working with Axel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, she's mocking Sora, saying that that girl heard she forgot her name, basically implying that whoever that girl is, she's in the castle. Mm-hmm. She's like, yes, the bad guys are holding her captive, and you're the hero. And then she just kicks this yeah, out. Yeah, she like kicks she... him in the crowd, saying, I'm the bad guy, remember? But it's actually more than just her mocking him. So when she hits him... We see something fall to the ground. Like we, it's literally in a separate cut. We don't see where it falls. Something falls to the ground here. And what would you describe? It's a pendant that's just shaped like a star, almost kind of like a palpable fruit. 
Yeah, it's it's basically very much in a similar style to the Oathkeeper keepsake, but this time it's more it's like a solid star, like something yeah. that was carved or maybe something that was manufactured. It's on a red ribbon rather than on the like uh, constructed line. It looks a little more constructed there. What's that? Is that thing mine? What a shame! You've been wearing it all this time and forgot. No, that's not possible. Though memory has to be engraved somewhere deep in your heart, Sora. You think carefully now. Wait, now what? Oh, what could it be? And who gave it to you? Not, not me. Sora, Sora, you're getting it now. Release the memory from within your heart. Nami, Namine. Well, it's about time. That's right. Namine, she's the one that gave you that tacky little good luck charm. Not that you even bothered to remember. No surprise. Seeing as you couldn't even remember her name. Talk about Heartless. I can't believe you. It would serve you right if I decided to smash this piece of junk. Let it go. Namine gave me this. It's very important to me. So, yeah, basically, you notice the second that this name sword gets his name out, it shifts him again. Now he is completely in on this girl that he is remembering again. And if you're cynical, you probably are very suspicious of the way the pendant seemed to appear out thin air and Larkseen coaxes him into going forward, of course. It's clear that the plot is playing with all its cards revealed, but that's kind of like the point. It's not trying to be a mystery box type story. It's not trying to keep you guessing what's going on. It's trying to make you understand, oh shit, Sora's actually going through some dark shit and he doesn't understand it. Yeah, we're seeing Sora change. Mm-hmm. And no one is aware of it. Like Donald and Goofy are just messed up enough they can't tell. Right. So you fight Larkseen, and she's pretty nasty. She's oh, fast yeah. as hell, and her, her she uses like throwing kunai, like throwing knives and lightning. Yep. She's a thunder themed ninja. Is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to say, like, I think she has the best attitude of any of the organization members. A lot of the organization members, they like said, they're tragic villains, confused villains, and denial villain. Um, some of them are just kind of pointless. But Larkseen, Larkseen knows that being a villain is fun. And she is going to lean into that. Yeah, she has a lot of fun with it. I mean, she's a sadist. She's she she grinds and mocks people. She's all she you really can't you really can't get under her skin because she pushes back first. I do feel like for this part of the series, the organization feels a lot like uh, they feel like Internet trolls for the most part. Like they found a few people that they're going to try and bother for a while. Yeah, and Larkseen is the epitome of that. She never responds seriously to anyone's plans with one exception, so she'll openly mock anyone there. She basically goes off and does her own thing. Like, she's beating on Sora when it was really not nearly as necessary, though you could argue she thought was more convincing. Mm -hmm. It's just, she is just living her joy. (laughs) So we get our new set of world cards after we beat her, which is going to be Atlantica, Hundred Acre Wood, Hollow Bastion, and Neverland. I don't have anything to say about these other than Thank goodness we don't have to swim in Atlantica this time. <laughs> I will say Sora continues to freak out after Larkseen Blaster. He's just swinging his keyblade wildly, screaming about Nami. And I will, mm-hmm. He literally says, why does someone like that be the one to bring back to memory? So yeah, Larkseen is kind of just a shitty troll, but she's fun. <laughs> it's it's really fun because she really clearly gets under Sora's skin. But it is also part of what's happening to Sora. He's freaked out now, but she managed to piss him off. Mostly because she was just mean to him. Even Ansem was just kind of being a smug asshole. Right. She's being personal and unpleasant, calling him a heartless hero who didn't care about his friend. She's trying to make his hero identity turn against him. One of the lines we kind of passed over was, oh, it's important to you? 
10 seconds ago, you didn't even know what it was. Yeah, like which, which is she, interesting, but also smashing into that button. She has found a fun thing to do and she's not going to stop doing it. She's a bully. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right after that, she, like Axel mocks her for not being able to throw to fight Batchelor losing. And then we have a new a new shitty asshole show up. Yep. Ooh, throwing that battle really wore me out. Really? Looked to me like you just plain lost. How dare you? You don't appreciate the nuances of an ungainly effort. Huh? To describe the guy shows up, he's got sort of grayish blonde hair, a very angular horsey face and just yeah. a, a scowl. Yeah. Vexen. How could you be humbled by someone with such limited significance? You shamed the organization. Oh, how can we help you, Vexen? It's not very often we see you topside. I came to lend you a hand. You obviously believe this Sora has much potential, but I remain unconvinced he is truly worth such coddling. I think an experiment would show if he's really of any value to us. Hmm. Well, here we go again. It's just an excuse so you can carry out your little experiments. That's all. I'm a scientist. Experiments are what I do. Yes. Whatever. You can just do what you want. But you know, I think testing Sora is just a cover for testing your valet. Valet, he's the product of pure research. What he actually is, is a toy. Hmm. You should just learn to be quiet. That one maybe was a little indulgent, but Vexen, I hate Vexen, and I need to show immediately why. But there's, I hate him for more than one reason. He is probably the most smarmy of the yeah. board members we meet this time. If you want to talk internet trolls, Vexen is... The worst type of do the research I already have. Yeah, he's 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 a logic bro. <laughs> yep, he's very much the the kind of toxic uh, logic bro. He's jumping he's jumping into your mentions, shouting debate me. <laughs> yeah, well, Axel's just running in to be a combo breaker on any sort of long post threat because it's funny. Yes, yes. And, and Larkseen is there to see if she can get you to start yelling at her. Yeah, Larkseen is the purest troll. Vexen is a logic bro. Axel is just the guy who posts first. Yeah, I think Vexen is kind of the only person who can really kind of shut Larkseen up in this game, mm-hmm. mostly just because he outranks her, I think. Well, here's the funny thing. This comes up much later. He is obsessed with rank and he actually makes Axel Larkseen reject him as their elder. But they blatantly do not respect him and it actually gets under his skin. We'll see. Later. Very few people in the organization respect Vexen. Well, numbers yes. don't matter. So so the Axel hands a Destiny Island card to Vexen and he, he has someone with him with the mentioned valet. Mm-hmm. And Sora, so freaking out, runs to the next world. But Donald and Goofy are worried about him. After that world, who shows up in this castle, but... Let's hear it from Sora. You're Riku? What are you doing here? Not happy to see me? Let me know if I'm getting in your way. You know, of everything that's more important. Huh? I didn't mean that. (laughs) Spare excuses. I bet you had all but forgotten about me. Are you crazy? Come on, I came all this way looking for you. But you're not anymore, right? Now it's only nominated that you're looking for. You don't care about me. Just like you never cared at all about her feelings. Nominees. I knew it. Never even gave it a thought, did you? Just because you want to see Nominee, sorry, doesn't go both ways. Tell you the truth, Nominee doesn't even want to look at your face. Why not? You should ask your memories. Why Nominee disappeared from the islands. Remember that and you'd know. Did I, did I do something? Is it my fault? Riku. Go home, Sora. 
don't care for Naminé. Anyone who goes near her goes through me. So, yeah, Riku's back. He's on his shit yet again. Yeah, he's being even more Riku than before. <laughs> but he's also in the Naminé mood. Yeah, like something is up with Riku here because he also is talking about Naminé. And but he's also going the other direction from us in the castle. Which is weird. Yeah, he yeah, he comes down, but then he runs away back up. It's saying that we never that Sora never cared about Naminé. That's enough out of that, I think. Yeah. Then Jim and either says, I think Anza are trolling again because Jimmy is giving us all the worst effing advice. Yeah. Uh, like Jiminy really failed conscience school in this particular version of himself. You know, yeah. the original book, the, the cricket gets crushed by Pinocchio. Holy shit. Deliberately. What? Wow. The original book's a pretty messed up thing that I think involves donkey shows at one point. Wow. Yeah. OK. <laughs> I, I assume there's like a glue factory. No, it's involved. The book <sighs> is very old. It's actually a few centuries old. So it's a it, yeah. you're kind of an author there. Crazy. It's, yeah, if you look it up, it's that the cricket is crushed by Pinocchio as not needing his conscience pretty early. Wow. But yeah, Jiminy in, in this kind of mentions the idea that, oh, well, everybody loses their memory in here a little uh, bit by bit. So Riku's probably just forgotten that the both of you were such close friends. So yeah, Jimmy is he's trying to give good advice. But to be fair, a lot of this is he doesn't know what's going on, but he seems to always go the wrong direction on it. Mm-hmm. Through the, you rush through the next floor. If you're counting, we're now through eight floors. Mm-hmm. And after he gets through it, he catches up with Riku again. Mm-hmm. Riku tells you to get lost. Yep. <laughs> and Sora say no. And then here's the thing. We see that Sora mentions that Kyrie's still waiting for both of them. Mm-hmm. And so he goes like, you know, I told you to take care of Kyrie. That's your job. And then he mentions that everyone on the island is losers, which I think is really hard on selfie. Yeah, <laughs> just selfie or selfie. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Do and that. then he asks Sor if he even remembers them, and Sor's like, "Sure, I." Uh oh. Oh no. I mean, Riku's actually being kind of playful here. He's saying it's not your fault, and it's just what the castle does. But mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one protect Nami Day. Mm-hmm. And so then after the fight, so of course, they fight twice in a row. Yeah, they fight. Tw- this is because this is a second fight. You're always going to be fighting each of these people more than once. Riku storms away again. He, he just gets up again. So, the, you know, the fight feels like nothing happens. And so Sora, after this point, no longer mentions Kairi. This is the last I mentioned for a very long time. I kind of like the line with Riku there. Just Sora, you're always trying to worm your way into my heart. Because uh, that's what Sora does. He's the ultimate good boy, and yep. he is—he affects everybody else's heart around him. Mm-hmm. I do want to say that. So, like, we already have made jokes about Sora sort of being a self-insert character into uh, various Disney worlds. So now he's getting a taste of his own medicine as Naminé is self-inserting herself into his life. Yep. Some, we've seen some of her art, and we have another scene with her coming up. She tends to be drawing pictures of the others. At least one of them showed her like off to the side. So mm-hmm. very much, it's, you could call this a self-aware idea of what would happen if you someone was added to your canon. Yeah. Um, like she is, like in certain cert reading, she reads as a fan that's just trying to like. Yeah. Make her own little character. She connected a lot with Kyrie, so her character looks a lot like Kyrie. Yeah. I'm now just imagining somebody's self-insert character with Sonic the Hedgehog, who everybody likes and is just the coolest character and everybody wants to protect them. It's a purity Sue, you know, oh, if right. you know the term. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> I will say that I like Naminé as a character way more than that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because she's a very self-aware parody of that. I don't I don't like to use the word parody. I I would prefer to say she's a a deconstruction of that idea. I hate using deconstruction constantly, but this is a good use. Like, yeah, um, that's true. 
like, um, yeah, Kingdom Hearts is already starting to take its ideas and mess with them in interesting ways to make cool concepts. Like here's a self-insert character that actually has a real uh, role in the story and some real gravitas. It's interesting. Yeah, you don't see that a lot. And I'm not the biggest fan of things like TV tropes, but TV tropes does lend a lot of fiction ideas, some useful names that otherwise go unnamed. So we got a funny little scene here where Namine is just kind of sitting looking sad and Axel comes up and basically starts poking every sore spot he can. But don't waste your time. We nobodies can never hope to be somebodies. And unlike before, this is one time where nobody has been capitalized. Yeah. This is this the first time that nobody has come up as a term in the series? I think there was there was uh, uh, one case earlier on, but no. it was not capitalized. Oh, well, I think nobody. Word, was no, too, yeah, I mean, it's the first time a character has said it. In fact, no in one this has particular said, way. I just I looked at the script. No one has said any version of the word in this game until this point. OK. And the only time nobody showed up as a term in uh, one was one dive. was deep dive and one of the answer reports. Yep. So the answer reports do hint about the about the idea of nobody as if proper noun. But right. if you dig all if you dig all the way to the end of the secret bosses, yes. Right. And so the so this is the first time that we're if we've been paying attention as we hopefully have at this point. This is the first time we're like, oh shit, we're going to be playing with the idea of nobodies now. Yep. Nobody is an arc word now. So. Most people at this point, I said, for what it's worth, the script we're using, although you can pick the direction, uses the 100 acre woods at this point. And there are a couple elements there that are worth mentioning. I think Winnie the Pooh has the most excellent kind of philosophical takes on these ideas. So basically, Pooh's kind of funny because he's literally, he talks about like, I'm looking for nobody. It's like, huh. Just after we learned the arc word, right? You use the arc word in a weird way. And it goes on for a bit, almost like we're going into a bit of having Costello. What about somebody? No, nobody. Not quite. It feels like we're about to break into that. But Pooh's a little too laid back and not quite fast of speech or wit to go for it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So they said it's just kind of funny that in this relaxed world, which I know that many people pick as the last world of this section because there's no battles. And the battles are scaled by what floor you're on, so they it's the it thought it would be the hardest world is now the I would say it's the first one you want to do because holy shit, this world gives you a lot of really great stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember I just remember when I was using some some like game guy there more than once say, Well, I know it's got great stuff, but if you save it to the end, it'll make it easier. My nah. Nah, yeah. give me the stuff. Yeah, so, so you do what you normally do. You go through a lot of little vignettes finding his friends because that just he always loses his friends. But at least in a world where memory is going away, it makes sense. It's kind of interesting because everybody seems to not really remember each other until you find them. And then they see Pooh mm-hmm. and then they remember, oh, Pooh's my yeah. friend. Weirdly, the Winnie the Pooh world fits into the theme of everything best. I think it's because you can do a lot with Winnie the Pooh because I think the source material is really surreal. It plays well with the metaphysical concepts that Kingdom Hearts wants to play with. And they tend to, like, they side with this is not cramming in battles. They don't have to warp the plot to make the battles justified. They can kind of just say what they feel like. Yep. Yep. Mini games and little vignettes are way easier to play with. Yep. So as we leave this world, whichever world you chose, Donald and Sora and Goofy are just rambling about Riku some more. Not much going on. But we switch back to the organization where Axel and Lark Sr. just kind of mocking the crap out of Exit. <laughs> <laughs> just digging into him. 
Men without hearts are so boring. You're one to talk as if you have such a heart to speak of yourself. That's enough. Marluxia. And at the set of his name, he takes off his hood and he shows his glowing pink ruffled anime mullets. What a crazy design. Vexton, the simple fact is that your project was a failure. You'd best not disappoint us again. Disappoint you? You go too far. In this organization, you're number 11. I'm number four, and I will not have you. Marluxia points a scythe at Vexen. I've been entrusted with this castle and Namine by our leader. Defying me will be seen as treason against the organization. Traitors are eliminated. I believe that's what the rules say. Who needs a half-baked good-for-nothing anyway? <sighs> Vexen, you cannot win against Sora. Pity to be so ignorant. As you're only able to see the surface of things, I should not expect you to appreciate my true might. So basically, yeah, Vexen's getting the verbal piss kicked out of him and even the guy who apparently in charge here. I just love, you know, you can just see for Vexen, he's got an ego as big as the castle. And, and no he gets cares. no respect and no one cares. Yeah. And frankly, I'm happy because I'm going to say in a minute why I hate Vexen so much. Yep. <laughs> so... And then, like, also, basically, Vexen storms off, and Axel comments, you know, he's actually going to try to kill Sora. Mario was just like, yeah, I guess that sucked, but I guess it wouldn't be any good then. <laughs> also, I think at this point, it, they make it clear that uh, the Riku we've been seeing in the castle is actually a clone. Well, it definitely sounds like it, because he describes your Riku, which is a strange way to go about it. So that's anyone who, who caught that line, that certainly feels like it. So Marluxia goes over to Anamine, it just kind of dumps in her head. He's going to kill Sora. You going to do anything? So, yeah. And in any case, like going forward, I just want to say for convenience's sake to keep these two characters separate. This Riku, the one that's in this castle right now. Sometimes called officially the Rika replica. Yeah, the Rika replica. replica. I can't even say it right. We are go we are going to call him Repliku because it's funny. I know that <laughs> many of the fans do, too. So we're not the most original, but we enjoy it. I like it, too. Yep. Now, once again, we've reached the last floor of the set. It's time for a really annoying fight. Yeah, they exit and Vexen's there. He's like, I'm Vexen. I've come for you. It's like Sora's like, what? Fuck it. Let's fight. Yeah. But, but Sora thinks he's controlling Riku because of because of ambiguous syntax and Vexen doesn't care. Yep. Now, Vexen carries a great big ass blue shield and uses ice. But what is this class supposed to be? Is it just like what? I don't think he has one. Yeah, he doesn't have a class. No one gave him a class because he sucks. He doesn't really fight with the shield in the shield bashes. He mostly just shoots out different ice attacks from it. I figure he's kind of a black mage-ish character. Actually, if I had to give him a class based on Final Fantasy, it's probably chemist, especially because he has a lot of more science-y type things. He's a scientist. He's a logic bro. It, it comes out later, but most of the organization have specialized mooks and monsters based on them. They're also based on the class. Vexen has nothing. Uh, yeah, a lot. The only... A uh, member from Castle Oblivion that we get to see there are no bodies in the next game is going to be Axel. Spoilers. The funny thing is his big shield, which is so compensating. It's got big spikes over the top. The bomb is just one long. It is the spike. It's it's shaped like the emblem of the uh, nobodies as well. Uh, it's also called the Frozen Pride. So oh. this fight is terrible. Vexen is controls the field. He shoots ice out in all sorts of ways. Like he sends chasing blasts after you. He spikes you with ice there. If you're really good at blocking his slides, you're doing good. But I wasn't. This so, fight took me hours to beat. So as it turns out, this is the fight where it 
where Faraga does the most work. Faraga will destroy like multiple health bars of his health. It's crazy. I wish I'd known that. I went with another strategy suggested, which was make my entire deck Sonic Blade and use it over and over and over again. But I was screwing up how to use Sonic Blades. So. Yeah, yeah. You still you have to get the QTEs correct. Basically, I was I was button mashing. I didn't realize you hit it early to stop the QTE. Yeah, it's an annoying fight. Uh, Faraga makes it a lot easier because he's ice elemental and so he's weak to fire. I just want to say my mood here was terrible. It took me so yeah. many tries, even with the strategy. Like I was doing much better with the strategy, but I couldn't quite get there for so long. Mm-hmm. And then Vexen runs off, which made my eye twitch. And he just he storm he just leaves. I don't even think he says anything. And you've been paying enough attention that you realize, oh fuck, I'm gonna have to fight him again, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> Actually, no, he's he says that he dug deep your memory. He gives you a special locked memory card (laughs) from the other side of your heart is what he says. And so that card takes us to a place we haven't been before. Before we do that, we have a little scene where Axel and Marluxia decide, Okay, he tried to kill kill Sora. So, so we that's need Sora for reason. our plans. Yeah. We, we, we decided that we need Sora for the organization's plan. Therefore, Vexen has be that's to be against the plans. Therefore, traitor. Yeah. Axel, okay. you know we what to do. And Axel says, you don't get to take that back, by the way. Yep. Yeah, take yeah. that back. Yep. <sighs> so now we finally hit a world where something new happens. Yeah. Uh, we end up in a town that is. It's perpetually at nightfall. Like, it, yep. yeah, it's perpetually at twilight. You might call it a twilight town. It feels like a big city compared to uh, Traverse Town, which felt more like a, a Final Fantasy town through the Disney filter. Like, like not an industrial city, like a seaside town you'd see yeah. in certain European countries. Yeah, this like, looks more like a Final Fantasy city through the Disney filter, the other way around. Way more, and so even more so in Traverse Town, because it's got more varied elements there. It's got yeah a lot. Of, it's just got a lot of different fields. So though you don't get to see it as cleanly here. <laughs> And Jimny starts out by just saying, this is terrible. Our memories are practically gone. Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> leads Sora to hold up his star pendant from Namine and give a little story about how he was going to start just going fairly curry on smashing meteors out of the sky with, with a baseball bat. Yep. To, pr- <laughs> to protect Namine. And she's thanked him for that because it cheered him up. He remembers he remembers a promise that he gave to Namine as well, with mm-hmm. along with all these things. And he seems to not know this place, but he feels like it's familiar now. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff where it's clear that his 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 memory is his is brain Swiss is cheese now. Yeah, his his brain is completely Swiss cheese, and he's hating himself over letting Nominee down. So he's in quite a state. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the worlds have like three segments with three special cards. I think this one just has one. Yeah, it only basically you find the place you need to go and then you get the end card. You end up at, at a, uh, a barred gate in front of a mansion. Yep. It seems similar to them, but you don't get much time to think about it. Sora notes it seems familiar in a way that doesn't involve the way his memories drift back with Namine. Like he and then, of course, fucking Vexen shows up. Yep. He's ready for another fight and you got to fight him again. Yep. Why? He has a title line to give us. The memories wiles can be cruel. In its silence, we forget. In its obsession, it binds our hearts. Cut the riddles. I told you, this place was created solely from another side of your memory. It is on the other side of your heart that the memory of this place exists. It is your heart that remembers. You're wrong. I don't know this place. If you remain bound by the chain of memories and refuse to believe what is truly found inside your heart, then throw it away. You are not a Keyblade Master, just a slave to twisted memories. Yes, exactly like my Riku. 
Your existence is worth nothing. Like your Riku, worth nothing? That's enough. You're the one who changed Riku. Every word you've said is a lie. I'd never throw away my heart. I'm going to take you down and save Riku and Namine. That's what's in my heart. And then they fight again. And honestly, Vexen was even harder this time. So I was yes. enraged. This was barely 10, 15 minutes after I finally beat him and I'm facing him again. Yep. And Eventually, during this fight, I figured out some of what I was doing wrong with the mechanics and it helped. But that still gave me about three to four more tries because it was just too narrow, uh, too narrow a required Window. margin of error. So, and I'm going to apologize right here now because I'm pretty sure I'm the one who gave you the Sonic Rage strategy. I'm sorry. <laughs> or not Sonic Rage, Sonic Blade. Right, because I was using it constantly, and even once I finally figured out how to make it always work, it was just like one stray hit, and I'm getting bounced around by ice till I'm dead. Yep, yep. Uh, is way better. <laughs> I tried Faraga on this fight, and I was just like, wow, he's dead in a second. So after that, Vexen has a warning for Sora, essentially that if he keeps on this path, he'll lose his heart and end up becoming Marluxia's pawn. And by that, he said the magic word, because even as Sora asks him, Axel's weapon flies past and smashes into Vexen. Oh, no. Wait, that's not oh, no. <laughs> Vexen's dead. Yeah. Almost. Axel, why? I came to stop you from talking too much by eliminating your existence. No, don't do it. We are just nobodies who have no one to be. Yet we still are. But now you can be nothing instead of just being a nobody. You're off the hook. No, please don't. I don't want to. Goodbye. And Vexen is engulfed in flames. Yep. And nothing of value was lost. Nope. <laughs> Sora is horrified and Axel just kind of shrugs. I don't know. It's just what we do. Yep. Yeah. So after that uh, fight, we end up in another lobby between floors 11 and 12. And first we see the uh, organization talking again. Axel back and he seems a little sour. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, Marluxia pushed Vex and do what he did. And Larxene smirks that, yeah, and we were testing you too. Now we know that you will do for us. We can take over the organization. Yep. Oh, no, they're the actual traitors. <laughs> so you have traitors murdering, tra- murdering traitors to them. And Axel's like, oh, so that's what Sora's for. And like, I, I, I always feel like we see the Sora plan. It, it apparently involves step one, make Sora forget everything except this one girl. Step two, position yourself as villains holding this girl hostage, knowing that Sora is an insanely stubborn hero who has powered through every obstacle in his way up till now. And step three? I guess control Sora? <laughs> Well, I, well think the, I, I feel like maybe you shouldn't have made yourself the person he's most likely to hate if you're going to do that. I think the idea was more or less that at the end of the day, they were going to ha- pretend to have been uh, Namine's keepers all along. They're very, very bad about that. They probably like because they're always uh, on an 11 on the troll scale, they probably didn't think to actually like put real effort into their plan. The sensible version of this plan was that at least one of them that that Sora had never seen, so they can put themselves up as someone work, who's trying to help nominate as well, but they didn't because they're way they, too amused by running down the fight. Or actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it probably I was supposed so. to be Marluxia that was going to do that, right? But they yeah. think he'd recognize his voice as the guy who was ordering him around at the start. I think the plan might actually be to set up the organization themselves as the bad guys, and then they disappear, 
and then just set sword yeah. on the other members of the organization. Okay, okay. Since their plan is to take over the organization, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If there's heavy, if they would just have Nominee on her own, use them as a guided missile. My guess, we'll see that they're overestimating how willing Nominee is to work with them. But they are absolutely right that if Sora is set against the organization, he probably will get rid of all of them for them. So, yeah. yay. <laughs> yeah, I guess it makes sense there, but I just wonder about that. I think that they, they, they put themselves on a surprisingly risky path there. Yeah, because they essentially bring in the the wolf to get rid of the cat infestation, right? And uh, But they don't have any plan to get rid of the wolf. <laughs> now we're infested with gorillas. <laughs> yeah, Marluxia and Lark seem kind of half mock, half encouraged, and I'm about getting to see Sora. So then Repliku is back for another uh, run-in with Sora. And this time he has brought along a few red flags that really should be peeing in Sora's head, which are the fact that... Repliku has the same shooting star memory and the same star pendant that Sora does. So clearly one of these memories are fake. Yeah. And Riku's having a flip out. His head starts exploding, but then he suddenly says, mm, nice try. That's fake. Yep. Sora fails to ask the right questions and instead gets angry at Donald and Goofy. Yeah. Riku leaves his good luck. So they have both. And like you said, Donald and Goofy try to get him to think, but so, but then they even notice you're talking about nothing but Namine. Like you were talking about all sorts of stuff, but now this is the only thing on your brain. Isn't that weird? And Sora explodes. Yeah, Sora's fucking pissed now. <laughs> it's like, 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 what? You want me to abandon her? Because he's doing some just some wonderful reasoning of like a yep. slippery slope, and then he just storms off. That's like, actually an interesting thing because I kind of feel like at this point Sora only really has memories of Namine and pretty much nothing else. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a good chunk of what's happened at the castle. Like he doesn't yeah. even forgetting what's happening in the earlier floors. He doesn't remember yeah. any of the Disney worlds now. Like he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on. he also doesn't really seem to remember a lot of his previous life. The only mm -hmm. real memories he has are of Riku and Namine. Yeah. Yeah. Riku comes into them because it's, I guess it was just too much of his identity. And also they were using Repliku, probably reinforcing the image of Riku repeatedly. But at this point, I kind of feel like it's an interesting thing where if you can only think about one thing, your personality becomes very warped. Yeah, it's he, with his single track mind, Sora is not so much a good boy anymore. Well, he's a good boy, but he's a good boy with a single focus rather than actually being a good boy for the whole world. And it becomes very easy to become toxic. He's a oh, he's a corrupted, nearly toxic good boy. Yep. So he storms off without down and goofy, which means that their cards that you could always pick up on the field and use are not available for the next section. And the next section is Destiny Islands. We're back. We should probably look at the end here where Axel kind of comes up to Namine and says, basically, you're all that Sora has left. If you ah. don't stop this, nobody will. Yeah. Um, so Axel is working on Namine. Yeah. He. So at this point, it becomes kind of clear that Axel is not on anyone's side, but his he's own. kind of a triple agent here. Yeah. Well, you could take it as he's pissed about what just happened, but we'll find out more. Like yeah. it was a Namine. You know, you can fix this. Yeah. No one's around. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Axel has decided that. All, all the stuff that's been happening in Castle Oblivion pisses him off, and so he is going to do his own thing. So Namine storms out like on Axel's words, and he just starts laughing. Just make it count. Now this should be interesting. Try and make it enjoyable, Sora. It's the least you can do for me, you know. Hey, wait, I'm enjoying this. 
You guys are something else. He actually seems surprised that he's genuinely enjoying something. Do we have the idea that nobodies don't have emotions yet? Well, it's not given to us more in the next. They've been calling themselves nobody. And he did comments. He's more than once mock nominated about their hearts. Yeah. So, okay. But, it's, but this is a detail they really don't push into yet. But he so, does seem surprised. He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is. There has been at least some hints up till now that the nobodies do not feel. Uh, I don't think emotion is the right way. They don't to put feel it. like people do. It's a they don't. Bit. They don't have. They don't make emotional connections with other people. Is what it seems the basic idea is supposed to be. Yeah, but we don't really get that really spelled out until much later. They just, yeah, it comes up later, but I'm going to say they're they, basically the way they're described, since they clearly show some semblance of emotion, just what everyone says, they're, ve- they're very much described as sociopathic. Yeah, they can play acted emotion. They can play act emotion. They do can they can enjoy things, but almost everything is of a selfish, self-centered, self 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 denying nature. Right now, the story does shift and turn on this, and we'll learn new things. But that is what they how they are presented to us to begin. Right Mm -hmm. to start. Yeah, all we need to know right now is that nobodies aren't supposed to be feeling anything. Actually, like actually feeling things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I said in the original, he's even more surprised, like about how about how amused he is. Like he laughs and it's like, it's not just like, you get the impression at this point, it also feels like everything Axel's doing has been his cover. So you almost wonder if that's the first genuine thing he felt about this as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's another possibility, I think. So, okay, now we can talk about Destiny Islands. Yeah, Sora dives in there and immediately forgets that everyone inside these places are memory projections. Yeah. Um, not only that, though, he also doesn't even seem to remember who they are. <laughs> yeah, like like the three FF characters show up and he's trying to name them, but then they call each other's names like, oh, yeah, that's your name. I'm like, are you well? And so, and heck, even on the island, not he meets another Riku, not our, not the real Riku and not Repliku. He meets a memory Riku. But and at this point, he thinks it's both the real Riku and Repliku because his brain has been so yeah. fucked up by this trip through Castle Oblivion. It takes about a minute of Riku just kind of NPC talking back. It was like, oh, you're the Riku from my memories. Mm-hmm. And eventually going through the through Destiny yeah. Island, it's another short story like uh, Twilight yeah, Town was. The interesting part here is Riku says, "Yo, your job is to take care of her. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't and, say who her is. In fact, when he's about to, something it, it disrupts the islands and Riku runs off. Mm-hmm. And then, like, then in the next section, after you fight for some more of that, and you're back at the island being destroyed, and once again, a dark side arises. Because mm-hmm. those guys are constantly everywhere. Yep. And so after he destroys it, it feels like we've hit what was probably the climax of the plan. Mm-hmm. Sora meets a version of Namine that is clearly, clearly intended to be the memory of Namine that, he ha- that he's trying to protect. And then the real nominee shows up and throws a banky wrench in the whole plan. But interestingly, even at the start, the image of nominee says, no, this isn't right. It's like you feel like this was the moment where he saved nominee and things there. But now, first, the image is saying this isn't right. This isn't what's happening. And then another nominee, the real one appears, is like, that's not me. And I don't exist inside your heart or anyone's. Right. And then nominee even says that she has never existed anywhere, which is a hell of a thing to say. Yeah. Sora is confused. He's trying to say, no, I have your good luck charm. He's like, no, that's wrong, too. And we find out that the star pendant that he had is just a mental projection being placed over the uh, Oathkeeper keychain. Yeah. After Nami says, like, the piece of your memory always inside your heart, your heart's voice always reach it. And Sora is saying, oh, you're the one important to me. The keychain changes back and he briefly sees Kyrie overlaid over Nami, but he doesn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. 
And then we hit at the outside of this room, and here's where a lot of shit happens at once. Yep. yep. Replicu shows up for another fight. Yeah. Like, like, like he, he catches Nami, Sora catches Nami, they say, no, like, it's not you, as in, now he starts explaining it. And Riku says, well, your memories are a train wreck, so I'm going to beat the crap out of you. Yep. <laughs> and though, they think this fight, even though you win, you lose. Because mm-hmm. when you get him out of the cutscene, Riku blasts you to ground. One of those things. And then Nominee tells him to stop, and since Riku ignores her, she breaks his brain. And I mean that literally. Oh no, what does she do exactly? Just like... Like, she shouts stop, his head flashes, and he just, like, someone hits an off switch, he just splats to the ground. Riku! 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 What did you do? What did you do to him? And then Larkstein poofs out of nowhere. Broke his heart. I'd say more like she smashed it, really. Smashed his heart? Then what's gonna what's gonna happen to Riku? Oh, you're so much fun to watch. If it's Riku you worried about, then don't, because Riku was never really here. What do you mean? Do you really think I'm just gonna say it? That's too easy. Oh, what to do? Quit the games. All right, have it your way then. I know it'll kill you to hear this, but I think I can live with that. That thing lying there is just a puppet that Vexen made as an experiment. No more than a toy. It's laughable, really. It called you a fake, but it was a fabrication all along. Not Riku. A fake. Fake in every possible way. It was only finished recently. How could it remember anything? You get it? Its memories with Namine were just planted. Not real. She picks up the replica and just throws it against the wall, literally like a doll. Yep. That means all this time, it's been picking fights with you over memories that were counterfeit, trumped up, and completely bogus. Isn't that the truth, Namine? Oh, so cute. But behind this little face, you do awful things. Namine. You're so stupid. Don't you get it now? That's what Namine's powers are about. She can enter, rearrange, and even create new memories of anything. Even things that never happened. The girl you've been trying to protect all this time is really a manipulative witch who shackles people's hearts. Then my memories are all... Oh, you do get it. Lies, lies, all lies. Just Namine's illusions, nothing more. Binding you in the chains of your own memory was central to our trap. It makes me tingle just to think how easily you were duped. So close to it. We were almost there. This was our only chance to turn the Keyblade Master into our puppet. But that jerk Axel, he used Namine to betray us. Very kindly, Lark seemed to decide to explain the plot to us. Yes. Yep. This big, that was the big arc line anyway. Those oh. couple ones. Yeah, it, it's, the second time, it's the second time someone's tried to make Chain of Memories happen as a thing. Yep. Yeah. They, they, uh, three different characters take a shot at it throughout it. Yep, stop trying to make it happen. if they all die happen. shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so Lark scenes, she's pissed. She flat out says she's she's in a terrible mood because Axel man one conversation with Nominate and Axel screwed up all their plans. So not bad. I also kind of like the whole uh thing Lark scene has going on where she kind of deflects about how terrible she is by basically making sure that everybody knows that Namine is, is terrible and her power is scary and awful. With all that there, then Sora, even after everything Lark says, says he's made a promise, which she finds hilarious, of course. Mm-hmm. 
And for some reason, Soros on his last legs here before the fight starts. But then Donald and Goofy show up to the rescue. Yeah, they save him finally. I rather like that it kind of emphasizes that friendship is about forgiving your friends their mistakes and, you know, once in a while being an asshole about things. Right. Because Donald and Goofy come for Sora even after he blew them off and was a dick to them. And Larsine doesn't get it. She just figures more people there is more pain. But now we fight her and it's just another harder person to fight before and now we beat her. Yep. She does the... She goes out like a villain should. <laughs> In which she complains that she about won't losing. lose the losers. And then she's yep. like, I'm fading. And this is not the way she'll go. And then she sort of evaporates into darkness. And then down the goofy, I think it caught up on the plot. And boy, it doesn't go well. Yeah, there is like one section in here that I want to actually hit on. I'm really not happy about you messing with my memories, but, you know, I can't really get mad at you for it either. These memories you gave me in my head, I know they're lies, but they still feel right. Like the promise I made. I said I would protect you and that I wouldn't make you cry. Not ever. Namine, if you cry now, I'll feel guilty. Like I let you down. So don't cry, please. Until I get my memories back. Smile and try to be happy. It's easier on me that way. Which, and, of course, Donald dismisses and Goofy's like, oh, that's what he's always like around a girl. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> by the way, wicked. Uh, we kind of miss the fact that uh, Namine promises to get Sora, everyone back their true memories if they right. get to the 13th floor, but Marluxia is there and ready to stop that. Yeah. And there's definitely been dreaded Marluxia. Like, Vexen wouldn't even think of facing him directly. Mm-hmm. Marluxia actually is a... Unlike Vexen, who thinks he has ability, Marluxia actually is capable of getting stuff done. Marluxia is a really good schemer villain, but he also has the, the physical power to back things up. So Nomini actually laughs at Sora's antics, which is what he was going for. So his his rather silly speech might have been aiming for that. Yeah, Sora uses his ultimate good boy uh, nature to uh, basically just be like, yeah, even if I forget you, I'll remember you. And and then he uses ultimate straight man uh, to have Donald and Goofy mock him and he whines at them. That's why she laughs. Yep. I kind of like this idea, though, that that, you know, Sora kind of realizes that the memories are wrong, but at the same time, they kind of make him who he is. So he doesn't really question that much. If Even if the memories are fake, they're real to him, basically. There, there is still a part of Sora that knows, oh, this is still a person that I could be friends with. So I'm going to try and be friends with him. He doesn't say it directly, but I get the impression his view is, I, th- I feel like I understand you from your memories. Like, he never right. does it directly, but if I had to guess, that's something I'd say there. Yeah, he... He feels he understands what nominee, who nominee is. Right. So now we're in the 13th floor. 13, always a big number in Kingdom Hearts. This time we're finally in a dungeon made up of the White Castle itself. Yep. It's This is the actual place that's labeled Castle Oblivion within Castle Oblivion. And there's a few short scenes through it while Sora's trying to remember. Well, he can't doesn't say her name. It's Kyrie's trying to remember. He knows it's an important, the most important person to him, but he can't remember anything other than nominee. And it's actually causing him some distress. Mm-hmm. Demon Talent says it's actually a little bit scary that they seem to have their memories broken this far. Right. But then there's the three musketeers saying all for one, one for all, because they, nothing can keep their mood down. Right. And then we get a scene with Axel showing up to Marluxia. So basically, Marluxia says. Why you show up, traitor? 
you're the traitor, traitor. And it goes like that for a bit. But Axel points out, makes it clear that Axel is acting for the full organization. Yeah, and so basically he's opposing Marluxia's plan to use Sora to eliminate the rest of the org. There's one pair of lines that I think continues to be important to what these characters are. Marluxia asks, since when were you suspicious of us? Axel says, do either of us have the heart to believe anyone? Hmm. And he commented how he didn't want to destroy Vexen, but he needed proof of what they were doing. Right. So they have a quick fight, and they look even. Axel seems like he might be on Marluxia's level. Mm-hmm. But it's very brief. Marluxia grabs Nami as a shield. Axel's like, that's not going to stop me. And Marluxia laughs because that's not who he was trying to get the attention of. And now Sora comes in. Yep. Sora Waku comes in to see all the bad stuff that's going on. And Marluxia, mastermind, basically says, Axel says he's going to be mean to nominate and also you smell. <laughs> but honestly, Sora's fed up. Mm-hmm. Axel's like, you're not his puppet. Sora's like, no, I'm taking care of all of you. You, him, all of you. He's just done. The good boy is a, is a bad boy. <laughs> Axel, quote unquote, dies in this scene. But he still continues to be easygoing about it. It's like, I, I was worth saving you. Yep. I don't want to kill the suspense. And he fades a little difference. Yep. So then we go through the rest of the dungeon. Now we reach Marluxia. And he has Nominee again. Mm-hmm. Tells Nominee, wipe his memory. Wipe his brain. Yep. Well, that fortunately doesn't happen because Sora has managed to good boy his way into Nominee's heart. And well, she's just she like. She was being. Yeah. I, I hate to interrupt you. She was pretty far from wanting to do that anyways. But sure, sure. now she'll even risk herself. But it, yeah, but, it, it's more that Sora's good boy nature has inspired the good boy nature. Well, the good girl nature of Nominee. Yeah. The really funny part is that Sora, after Nominee's clearly at risk for not doing her, which is like Sora's like, no, do it. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. which is kind of reaching the limit of what good boy she could do. It's like, you didn't blow my brain up. That's it'll keep you safe. Yeah. Uh, Repliku also shows up at this point. Well, Marlouche is like, if I do that, you'll be just an empty shell. Just like that, that fake Riku. Does he have a neat nickname? I don't know. Marlouche is not on top of things. He's definitely not on top of things. He is not keyed into the fandom of Kingdom Hearts. And then, and then Riku, then Repliku jumps out of, of darkness and attacks Marluxia. Yay. You ignorant fool. If Namine uses her powers to erase your memory, you'll be nothing but an empty shell. Your heart will no longer be able to feel or to care. Just like Vexen's pathetic imitation of your Riku. Take another guess. And Repliku jumps out of the darkness and attacks and, and basically chases Marluxia away from Namine. It can't be. Riku. No, just an imitation. You're a shell. A shell who has had everything taken. Everything. What can you possibly think I ever had? Both my body and my heart are fake. But there is one memory I'll keep, even if it's just a lie. Whether it was a phantom promise or not, I will protect Namine. Imbeciles! You would knowingly shackle your heart with a chain of memories born of lies? You would be one who has a heart, yet cast aside your heart's freedom? You turn from the truth because your heart is weak. You will never defeat me. And then Sora fights and defeats Marluxia. So let's talk a little bit about Marluxia's design a bit more now that we finally fought him. He's pink anime boy. He's got a Reaper thing going. Yeah, he's got a big old scythe and his class is effectively Reaper. Uh, his element is flowers. Which he mostly used just to have flower petals going everywhere. Yeah, well, specifically like roses, plants, vines, all this kind of thing. Um, you can sometimes summon them like to attack. Mm-hmm. But there's Sakura petals everywhere when yeah, yeah. he does anything. Which in Japanese fiction can often be a symbol of death, so he's really got his Reaper thing going. 
so it's very specifically cherry blossoms in Japanese fiction are used as a symbol of fleeting beauty. It is it is beautiful, but only for this one moment of existence and then it's gone. There's also a particular legend about cherry blossoms that the reason that they are pink is because of the blood shed in the place where they are growing. Wow. Because there are white cherry blossoms. Right. I remember that from the Toho games. Huh. I didn't know that at all. The idea of a deadly cherry blossom tree and it being an element of death is part of it. But before we go on to the finale of the game, let's just quickly ask one little question. Who did the best title drop? I think Marluxia did. The Vexen's just angry. Uh, Larxene doesn't even really hit it right. She she misses by a bit. She calls it like a chain of memory. So that gotta be Marluxia. So he's doing the middle of his big villain rat. Yep, it's his. So Marluxia is trying to be a budget Final Fantasy villain right now. And complete with that, in the final fight with him, he even turns into a boat. And even more so, right now, after you beat him, it's like, no, you just defeat Illusion of me. Like, he's effing Kafka. Like, his final form, he, go, he t- goes the full Bishonin into Angel line. You leave Repliclu behind to protect the Dominator while you go off to do the big fights. Right, right. Like, he's riding a giant monster, then he's a guy on a big boat, like you said. Yeah. And so he's just going through the Final Fantasy villain line the same way Ansem did at the end of Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. But like at the end, he just kind of sort of dies. He, has, he just he doesn't really have anything left to say. Like he his rant was done. Yep, he doesn't even have a cool villain line like Zero Miss where he says he will never die so long as hatred exists. He just dies. Well, he's not even, he didn't even go Zero Miss. He just somehow had. Yeah, he's a budget villain, basically. He never existed in the first place. Rude. Very rude. So then we leave there and we lock. And for some reason, he locks the door with his key. Like no one should go in there. I'm not the mess. Mm-hmm. And then fake Riku says, like the Repliku says, I'm a fake. I got to get going. Yep. Uh, and so to wrap up the story and to, it, it also is a sort of explanation for why Sora is going to start the next game at level one. Well, first, the castle blasted all his skills. And now even as he built them, Nomini explains that, they, that his memories are so messed, so twisted and put to her. They're going to have to be completely unraveled and put back together. Yep, so Sora's going to have to go into a weird pod for a while to get his memories reconstructed. But the key is he's going to lose all memories of the ca- what happened inside the castle, which is going to make some parts of 2 really bad when he doesn't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. So one really interesting thing about this is I kind of like the metaphor of how memory works that they use with this. Mm-hmm. Because Namine kind of reveals that the way she thinks of her power, the way she understands her own power is that she doesn't really create new memories at all. All she can really do is take take the links between memories and undo them and reattach them in different ways. Mm -hmm. So all the links are still there somewhere in your brain. It's just that she has rearranged them or caused some to become disconnected. Also, it's worth noting that it's clear that Namine doesn't have control over all memories. Just Sora's memories and the memories of people connected to Sora are the ones that she can impact. So she is basically a one-use memory witch. Which makes you wonder what they picked her up for, since we're implied that the ones that did this were a splinter faction, but the whole mm-hmm. organization seems to know about her. Right. Yeah, so you, she can't really... She's not very general purpose. She just has something to do with Sora, so there's kind of an unresolved hint of what the hell was Namine in the first place. Right. So they take, she takes her into the whitest room in the castle. Like, everything seems to be glowing, and there's a great big flower pot in the middle. So get in. Yep. That's not going to eat you, I swear. 
Yep. Well, Sora has that choice of whether to forget, basically whether to leave his memories like this, as they are right now, all messed up from Castle Oblivion, or to have Namine restructure his memories to how they were before he entered Castle Oblivion, but he's going to forget everything that happened within Castle Oblivion. And she implies it's going to be difficult, long, and she actually, there's certain links she's going to have a hard time reaching. It's going to be his heart that's going to need to support that. Right. Yep. And not only that, it's kind of bittersweet for Namine as well, because Sora really wants to remember Namine, and obviously Namine really wants Sora to remember her. Mm-hmm. But she's the self-insert finally was accepted in canon. <laughs> yeah, if she goes through with this, all of Sora's memories of Namine will be disconnected and no longer be accessible. But that's okay because Jiminy has another solution that isn't going to work because he didn't think about it. Instead, he just he decides, I can solve this. I'm going to write in my journal, thank Namine. No context, no extra details, just two words. Yep, that's all he has time for? I don't know. Also, apparently... Damn, also, Cricket. Also, I think it happens off screen, but Donald and Goofy also get put in pods. Well, they all shake hands. They say they're clearly going to be because they're not as damaged as Sora, but it's clear that everything that Sora lost, that they knew they've lost too. Yeah. Sora also tries to make Chain of Memories happen at the end. He does say one line talking about the Chain of Memories come apart, the links will still be there. If the Chain of Memories comes apart, the links will still be there, right? So the memory of our promise will always be inside me somewhere. I'm sure of it. It's funny because the only this one finally works more than anyone else's because they've been talking about memories as links and chains this whole scene. So there's context. Well, and, and also like the villains were treating memories as a shackle, whereas Sora is just treating them as a way to connect to people as a link, a bond. Yeah. And so that's a like I, I actually think that Kingdom Hearts does a very good job building that metaphor over the course of this game. Which is yeah. really so relaxed and light and breezily used that, mm-hmm. that people miss it. I actually really like the metaphor of memories like this because yeah. personally, I always saw memory as like this as well. Because mm-hmm. the things that I remember, the, m- the more interconnections I have to other facts, the better I can me- remember something. Right. So, you know, things that are just a free-floating fact like, you know, dates or whatever, you know, like, oh... You know, the Magna Carta was signed in, you know, whatever year I have. It's it's just waiting for the connection to come again. And in many ways, the way the brain stores memories and connections between things is actually pretty close. Yeah, the metaphor works really well, and it serves as a nice uh, capstone for the game to make us feel like, oh, apart from all the card game stuff, that was actually a pretty cool experience. So Sword gets closed in the pod. The pod. And he's in darkness. He's remembering everyone from Traverse Town. And then finally, he sees the person he's forgotten. And he as he remembers their name to call it out. Kyrie. And as he and Nominee speak in their minds of the hell of promise, even forgotten is not lost. This, it shifts into the ending with simple and clean playing once more with various scenes of characters, including Kyrie and Selfie wandering the beach. Axel showing up alive and hanging out with Repliku. Mm-hmm. And finally, the last scene of Sandy Brown, blonde boy we haven't seen before, hanging out with other kids in an area we really don't recognize. Mm-hmm. And they're eating ice cream. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so we end with a poem. Over the most impractical chairs possible with several organization members sitting it. There is always sleep between part and meat. With our usual words on the usual streets. So let us part like we always do. And in a world without you. I'll dream of you. When I come to, let us meet. With our usual words on the usual street. 
Oh shit, I'm actually kind of crying right now. <laughs> I actually really like that. Uh, that God, uh, I so full disclosure, I just finished watching through 358 over two days today, and like that poem takes on a new meaning from that. <laughs> so yep. that's where Sora's story ends, but it's not where Chain of Memory ends, much to our joy. Oh boy, the best part's coming up next. Yeah, yep. join us so, next week when we see what Riku's been doing basically during the same time frame, and we learn many facts that we never knew about darkness. Yep, let's see what unusual smells we can discover in the basement of Castle Oblivion next time. So until next time, I'm Matt. I'm John. I'm Jared. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release.